for me. I don't know if it's been enjoyable for you, okay? <laughs> I encouraged us all a few weeks ago to actually read through the book of Job. And uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know some people have been reading uh, through the book of Job. And I don't know the impact that that's had on you. Um, what I find encouraging in the book of Job is meeting somebody who suffers more than I've ever encountered. If, if you're familiar with the story of Job, the suffering that he goes through is beyond what most of us can even wrap our minds around. I mean, Job lost literally everything in one day. Uh, and then he goes on this long journey of arguing back and forth with his friends. His friends are all these like really spiritual people trying to convince him, well, you must have sinned or your kids must have sinned in order for this to happen. And Job is just all the way through saying, no, I'm innocent. Uh, and his friends are actually proven wrong. They couldn't point to anything in Job's life that said, here's what you did to deserve the suffering. And so in Job, we actually meet somebody who suffers like crazy and there's no reason given for why he's suffering other than what you find out in the first couple chapters of Job where uh, God gives permission to the accuser, the Satan, to basically test Job. But Job never fully understands why he's going through the things he's going through. But what's clear in the book is that it's not a result of his sin why the suffering came. And, and that presents lots of questions, questions about God. And, one of the things, and the reason I find Job refreshing is because in Job, you actually meet somebody who's willing to question God, uh, but he, he goes directly to God. So he asks all kinds of questions about whether or not God's actually good. Like really raw, honest questions that we might think you're not supposed to ask those kinds of questions. Well, Job does. He asks really challenging and difficult questions about whether or not God's actually good. He doesn't ever doubt that God exists, but he does doubt whether or not God is, is good. And God meets him in his suffering. And we're going to finish up the series today. And uh, we're going to talk about Job's encounter with the living God. And from Job's own mouth, he, after he encounters God, he says, you know, before I had only heard about you, but now I've seen you and I'll never be the same again. So after he encounters God, all of his questions, all of his struggles, all of his wrestlings, like they just, they just kind of fade away. And Job says, like, I've encountered you now and my life will never be the same. But he also encounters God. And I want to talk a little bit about his encounter with God. He realizes that God is actually the judge of all humanity. And it's a pretty difficult concept for us to, to think about, about standing before a judge. And I'm, I'm not going to tell the whole story. I think I've told it here before. But um, when I was about 15 years old, uh, I got involved with my friends. There's about 12 of us in an elaborate prank. Okay, <laughs> and uh, we had we had come up with this plan to um, convince one of our friends that we were kidnapping her friend. Okay, and so that's kind of the gist of it. I won't tell all the details, but it was really stupid. It was really foolish. I shouldn't have been involved. I was okay. I was 15 years old. I was actually getting ready to go on a mission trip where I was going to be preaching and sharing. And um, this prank went so bad that the police got involved. Okay, and so. Um, of all of the 12 friends, uh, for some reason, I was the guy that had to go talk to the police, okay? So this, this girl that had thought this kidnapping really happened and was really real, um, she had called the police, and it was just this, like, very traumatic experience for her. And so I was this 15-year-old boy, and I was sitting in front of a police officer who had come to respond to what had happened. And I remember the police officer, and I'm, like, 
kind of shaking a little bit because we all thought this prank was going to be super funny and awesome. And, and some of you right now are like, I don't know why you're my pastor. <laughs> you're crazy. Um, but anyway, so I'm like this 15-year-old boy, and I was just shaking sitting before this police officer. And I rem- I'll never forget his words. He said, he's like, Nathan, if, if we had seen what you guys were doing in the middle of that prank, like if we were there on, on site, we would have pulled our guns out. Like, that's how serious this was. We would, we would have had our gun. And I'm, like, like, just terrified. And I felt the weight of authority in that moment, right? And it was a really scary moment for me, and it was a wake-up call. Um, I did work things out with this, this girl, by the way, and I had lots of apologies because uh, I knew that what I did was really dumb and stupid and foolish, all those things. That's reconciled, okay? So I'll just tell you that. But what I want to highlight from that is that I had this experience of standing before authority, Knowing that I was in the wrong and knowing that, you know, things could happen that were beyond my control, and I just felt the weight of that. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but can you think of a time in your life where you stood before authority, and so it could have been, maybe it was parental authority or police or before a judge or whatever it was, can you remember a time where you stood before authority and you were afraid, you felt the weight of that authority, where you weren't sure how things were going to go, but you did know for sure that whatever happened was beyond your control. Like, have you ever felt that? Job, it's really interesting because Job, he actually does experience that. So when Job stands before God, if you read uh, the book of Job, if, if you read the first 30 or so chapters, you'll find lots of places where Job, he, he says things like, I want to take God to trial. So you find in Job, so he's, he's angry, so he's suffering. And, and I want you to put yourself in Job's situation for a minute, okay? So you imagine that everything that you have in your life has been taken from you. The people that are closest to you, you've lost them. You've lost your property. You've lost your position in society or whatever. You've lost everything in a day, right? And you don't have any reason. You can't find a reason for why it happened. And you've got these spiritual friends that all sound like church people, and they've got their Bibles, and they're saying, well, if you just repent, God will fix it. And they're wrong, because that's not working. And, and, you're, and Job had lots of conversations with his friends where he said, I did that. I did call out to God. I did repent. I did all those things. So show me where I've sinned. And none of his friends could show him what he's done to deserve the suffering that he's, he's gone through. Right? So in this like first 30 chapters or so of Job, Job is just, he's angry and he's, he's despairing, and there's times where he says, I wish I wasn't even born. I hate the day that I was born. I wish God would curse the day that I was born. I wish my arm would be ripped out of its socket. I w- like all these like horrible things, all these feelings that probably a lot of us can relate with. He's expressing these things, but he takes things a step further, and he starts accusing God of not being good. And we're going to read a couple of Job's words today where he basically says, God doesn't really care whether you're righteous or good. You could be totally wicked, or you could be totally righteous, and God doesn't care either way. He's going to make you suffer, right? Like, that's how Job starts to talk. And so he has all these words, right? He says all these things, and, and, and he, he says, God, I wish God could, I could, you know, stand before God. I wish I could, you know, be in trial with him, and I could present my case. And then God shows up, and Job has this, inc- we have an amazing opportunity to look at the life of Job, because God actually shows up, and he speaks, which silences everybody in the room, All of Job's friends are completely silenced. Job is completely silenced after after God speaks. And then God invites Job, do you have anything more that you want to say? And we're going to see what Job's response is. And so um, Job can relate with standing before authority. Uh, And what I want to 
say to you that the scriptures teach us is that, yes, God is judge. Yes, he is authority. He's higher than any authority that you've ever encountered here. Standing before him will be scarier than standing before any authority that you've stood before because he's all powerful. But he's also really good. Like we talked about at the beginning, you know, we, we say God, it's one of the things we say here all the time is that God is good all the time, all the time God is good. And so Job stands before this authority, but he also realizes the goodness of God. And so let me just pray, and then I want to read a few uh, of the words of, of Job and then God's response and, and tie it in a bit to, to our lives and our experience of God. But let's just pray before we, before we do. Lord, uh, I just want to thank you for the book of Job. And Lord, you, you show up uh, in the end of the book of Job in a whirlwind, it says. And even going through the book of Job has felt a bit like a whirlwind. We've only had four Sundays where we're working through Job, and there's so much in there. Uh, and so many things we can't fully address or talk about, and it uh, feels a bit like a whirlwind. And, and, but Lord, I just pray that we would actually hear what you have to say to us in your word. We know the reason you've given us your word is to show us what you're like, to show us how we can have a relationship with you. And so I just pray that our, our ears will be open. Uh, we talked last week about being able to discern uh, the words that are coming into our ears in the same way we can test foods. And so help us to discern what's your word and what's not. And uh, we look to you, God. We welcome you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So Job says, and this will be up on the, on the screen, in, in uh, chapter 13, verse 3. So in the middle of his argument, back and forth with his friends, and Job's lost everything, and he's arguing with his friends, and they're trying to convince him that he has sinned, and all he needs to do is repent, but that's not working. And he, in the middle of all this, he says, As for me, I would speak directly to the Almighty. I want to argue my case with God himself. And, and we, we talked last week about going directly to God. And, and this is one of the main themes in the book of Job. Job says, I want to argue my case with God himself. And I want to just remind you that if you feel that injustice has been done in your life, or that there's things happening that have just brought you to a place of despair or discouragement, the, the place you're going to find healing from that most times is not horizontally. It's by going directly to God. One of the things that Job did, that Job got right, was he had this mess going on in his life, and, and he went back and forth with his friends. If they had had Facebook back then, they would have been interacting on Facebook. Whatever. They were back and forth with each other, but it wasn't work. He wasn't getting anywhere when he was arguing back and forth with his friends. And so he said, I'm just, I'd, I'd rather go directly to God. And it's such a good lesson for us to learn that when we're wrestling through things, like God often speaks to us through people. He shows us grace and love through people. He does that a lot. But we oftentimes don't go to God with the deepest issues of our heart and consistently go to him. And it's important to know, like with that point, and I can't move any further without saying, God doesn't respond right away. Like sometimes we hear that in church and we're like, yeah, well, I went to God, nothing happened. Well, Job experienced that. He went to God, felt like nothing happened. That happened for a long time. But Job kept going to God. He kept, he was persevering through that like really dry season where he felt like he wasn't hearing anything. And, and we see at the end of the story where God does show up. So he says, I, I want to argue my case with God himself. And so listen to Job's case. And, and the reason I like reading these kinds of things in church is just to, to show us like the, the feelings that you and I have about God and about his goodness. Uh, the people in scripture that encountered God had some of those same feelings. And I believe Job actually does go off base a bit. 
in some of the things he says about God. Um, the Bible tells us pretty clear, nobody's fully innocent. I think Job's probably the closest that we have of somebody who's completely innocent. I don't know that there's somebody else in Scripture that would be more, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but nobody is completely innocent before God. And so just listen to some of the things that, that Job's wrestling with and then some of the things he says to God. So uh, chapter 9, and this will be up on the screen, verses 14 through 24, says, So who am I, it's Job talking, that I should try to answer God or even reason with him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. And I just need, so Job is like saying here, he's like, even if I was right in what I felt about God, it's not like I could actually defend myself. He's more powerful. He's stronger. And so Job's starting to develop this idea that like, I am right. I am the, the victim here. God is wrong. And, and even though God's wrong, there's nothing I can do about it because he's too powerful, right? He, he's starting to get filled with despair. He said, I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned him and he responded, I'm not sure that he would listen to me. For he attacks me with a storm. And listen to what he says about God. He says, and he repeatedly wounds me without a cause. These, these feelings are legit. You know, we go through really difficult times sometimes in life, and we don't understand why. Job did not understand why he was suffering the way that he did. And so he said, God repeatedly wounds me without a cause. Like he was starting to feel despair even to, in his relationship with God, because he was calling out to God and he wasn't getting any answers. He was in this season of like, he'd lost everything. He was sad, he was discouraged, he was depressed, and he would call out to God. His spiritual friends that talked like they knew everything were like, just go to God and repent and, and he'll fix everything. And Job tried that and he wasn't experiencing anything. He wasn't, he wasn't getting any release. And he's saying, and God repeatedly wounds me without cause. And this is uh, in chapter nine, this is quite a while before God shows up and speaks. He says, he will not let me catch my breath, but he fills me instead with bitter sorrows. If it's a question of strength, he, God, he's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares to summon him to court? Then Job says, though I'm innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I'm blameless, it would prove me wicked. And then he goes, I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. And listen to this next part. He says, innocent or wicked, it's all the same to God. That's why I say, he destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. That's quite an accusation Job makes against God, right? When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. Like Job had gotten to the point in his life where he was like so filled with despair that when he saw bad things happening to good people, he had this image of God that God must be up there just laughing. Like, ha, ah, sucks to be you. Like that was, how, that was how low that he had gotten where he just felt like, Man, even God is, is laughing at this, this difficulty in my life. When a plague sweeps through, he laughs at the death of the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked, and God blinds the eyes of the judges. If he's not the one who does it, who is? And so these are really serious accusations or charges against God. And, and one of the things that I like about the book of Job is that you see somebody who has a very real struggle and brings it to God. You know, one of the things that grieves me, and, and I'm alive in the 21st century here in North America, just like you, and I see all kinds of people that at one point had this faith in God, and they're walking away from, from Jesus, or walking away from the church, and sometimes there's good reasons for why. You know, the church has done things that has been really hurtful to people, that has, has caused pain, has caused hurt, all those different things. And what grieves me is when 
people that, that are going through times in their life like Job is, and they, and they run from God. Because I'm like, I'm convinced based on what, because of Jesus' death and resurrection and what he's revealed to us in the scripture, I'm convinced that if we go to God, he will bring healing. But not always right away. So Job's going through this, and he brings these accusations. And what's interesting is God doesn't speak at the end of this chapter 9. One of Job's friends, who's quite misleading, actually pipes up and speaks. And so Job is left to wrestle with these difficult questions, these, these accusations that, that are developing in his mind against God. And I want you to, I was going to read it, but we're not going to read it today. So I put a, uh, a little like recap of Job chapter 31, and I encourage you to go and, and read Job chapter 31 sometime. But I just want you to see, so Job, he, he's like, you know, there should be a slide up there with... Um, uh, kind of a list. There it is. So this is all in Job chapter 31, okay? And, and the reason I want you to look through this recap with me is because Job is the most innocent person you'll find in the scriptures. Most of the heroes that we read about in the Bible are really flawed people, like, like us and worse, okay? That's one of the things that I love about the scriptures is like the, the people God uses are some of the most flawed people that have the worst kinds of backgrounds ever. And God just does a work in their heart, and he uses them in spite of their, their uh, past. Job is a little bit different. Job is like this guy that, it's like you can't find fault in him. And then he goes through this crazy suffering. He's like the opposite, okay? So if you, if you read the scriptures and you, and, you, and you look at people's lives that God used in really powerful ways, some of those have like the worst past. They've done the worst things, and God uses them in, a, in an awesome way, even though they've been horrible. Job is like the opposite. He was like innocent. And did everything right. Not just like staying away from sin. He actually went further and fought for people that were uh, marginalized and people that were in need. And Job goes through more suffering than anyone else. Isn't it? It's a weird thing in the scriptures. The people that were seemed to be the worst, when God fixed up their lives, they went on to have these incredibly successful ministries and things went well. And then you find someone like Job who's got like everything going for him. He's this totally righteous guy who does everything right. And then he goes through crazy suffering. It's like the opposite of what you'd think. As a human being, you'd think, well, you know, the bad people, God's going to punish them and make things hard. But you meet bad people in the Bible, God saves them and turns their life around, and they end up, like, going and telling other people about God, and amazing things happen. And then, and then you meet the guy that's, like, just so righteous, doing everything right, and he's the one that suffers. It's a picture of Jesus. Really, Job, like, Jesus is the fulfillment of, of Job, okay? And we'll, we'll get there. That's how we're going to uh, close. And so in this list that you see, like Job, and this is true, this isn't just made up, his friends and all the people that are in his uh, life can't discount any of what he says here. Because after Job says this, what he says in Job chapter 31, his first three friends, there's nothing left to say. So he, he doesn't lie, he doesn't lust, he, he treats his servants fairly, he views them as equals, he's not stingy with his money. Have you ever been stingy with your, your money? Oh, I have. <laughs> I won't even ask you for your raise of hands, okay? Like, there's been times where, like, I could have given and I didn't. I've gone out and I did something selfish, right? I read through Job's list and I'm like, man, I'm, like, I've already fallen off on, on a couple of these things. He's not stingy. He gives his money uh, to widows and orphans. He's not abusive to orphans. That might sound today a little bit obvious, but back in those days, a powerful man could basically do whatever he wanted. So if you had slaves, servants, if you had orphans that were in your kind of like domain of care, you could mistreat them terribly and nobody could do anything about it. It was rare to find somebody who was as wealthy as Job, who was also kind and fair and just. Like it almost never happened. 
usually people abused power. That doesn't happen today, right? People don't abuse power, <laughs> right? Have we seen that? People that are in positions of power, they abuse it, right? Not everyone, but most times. Well, Job wasn't that guy. He was a guy that had, he had all this power. Nobody could really take him to account, and he was so good and gracious. He never trusted in money. He always put God first. Like, could, could all of us put our hands up and say, yeah, I've never put my trust in money. It's always been just God. Whenever I've been struggling and I didn't know where my next paycheck was going to come from, didn't even worry. Like, Job is one of these guys that's like this unique person. He never put trust in his money. He only worshiped God, no idols or false gods. In those days, that was unheard of. Everybody worshiped idols and false gods. He never sought revenge on an enemy. You ever been glad when somebody you didn't like got what was coming to them? Maybe secretly in your heart? You know, there's somebody that just, like, just irritates you. They grate you, and, and then something bad happens to them, and inside you're like, yes. Oh, right? Like, Job just, he's, he's, like, he's doing this inventory of his life, and he's saying, I didn't even do that. Like, I didn't seek revenge on my enemies. He always treated strangers uh, well and fed those who were hungry. He never hid his sins. Anybody ever hid a sin before? Right? Job's one of these guys, like, he's going through this inventory. He's like, I didn't do anything. And then the last one, never gave in to the fear of man. You ever, like, did something that you probably knew was wrong, but it was because you were afraid of the people you were around? Like, if you read through this list as an honest human being, you'll probably confess that you've fallen off on quite a few of these things. And Job is giving this inventory in his life, and he's saying, like, I've guarded my heart. I've done, not, not only have I stayed away from sin, like, I've acted righteous. I've taken care of people I didn't have to take care of. I've been generous when I didn't have to. Like, it was like he, he went so much further than what most humans do, yet he suffers more than anyone. Like, what you find in the scripture is so opposite. It's like the people that are the worst, God comes in and turns everything around. And then you've got a guy like Job who's, like, the best. You would think, well, God's going to let him be rich and famous and successful and comfortable for his whole life. But he goes through this incredible suffering. And Job can't understand it. In his humanity, he can't understand it. And so it, it makes sense why he starts to accuse God. And I do believe, as I've said, like, Job is a human being. The Bible's clear. Everybody has, has sinned. We've all given in to sin. But Job, what, I, what I'm saying from Scripture is, like, Job giving in to sin, like, he, he was, like, the best of us. You know, if, if we were going to, like, take a list of, like, who's kind of, you know, the closest to not sinning, I think Job's, Job's pretty up there. But even Job, he did sin. He, he had actually become the critic of God. And I want you to read to you a little bit about what uh, God says to him. And so, again, and I, and I encourage you to read some of these chapters. I'm not going to read them all, but if you go home and read chapter 38 and 39 of Job, Job, God shows up after everybody's said all kinds of words, right? So Job's friends, they're trying to convince him of his sin, and they couldn't. And then Job speaks up and says, I'm innocent, which silences his first three friends. And then this other friend speaks up and says, well, yeah, you were innocent in all those ways, but your attitude was wrong. And Anyway, at the end of it all, God shows up in chapter 38 and 39, and when God speaks, literally everybody in the room falls silent. And what I want to highlight to all of us, because this, this applies to all of us, like we have all these feelings, we have all these questions, we have all these struggles, and sometimes those things go unanswered and we don't understand. But when God's presence shows up, like everything falls silent. Like God is ultimate authority. He is ultimate, he is supreme when he shows up, it silences everything. And what's interesting, if you read chapter 38 and 39, and, and, I, and it still baffles me, I don't understand it, don't know that I ever will until I'm with Jesus, if he lets me understand it. But, so Job has asked 
question after question after question all the way through the book. God shows up in chapter 38 and 39, and he puts, instead of answering all of Job's questions, he puts more questions in Job's mind. He starts asking Job questions that Job can't answer. And that's what silences Job. And, and what's interesting, like my response, if I was talking to you and you were really struggling, the, the human response would be for me to try to give you some sort of an answer. I just want to fix it and make it better. That's what Job's friends were all trying to do. They're like trying to fix his problem. They're like, well, just, just repent and then and pray to God and, he'll, and it'll, it'll turn everything around. Well, when God shows up, he has a completely different approach. God shows up and he starts asking Job questions that Job just cannot fathom or understand. And it makes Job take a step back and he goes, God, you're God, I'm not. All my wondering, all of my convictions, all of the things that I thought I knew, I don't. And so God puts more questions in Job's mind, which silences him, and he actually comes to realize that God is God and his trust. And it's interesting because when more questions enter his mind, he actually begins to trust God more. It was like God was saying, Job, like, I, I've got this. And Job realizes for the first time that God does. There's a guy uh, named Kevin Nye, and he's a writer, and he's, he's just about to put out a book, um, really cool sounding book, actually. But he's got this quote, and it should be up on the screen. Um, he says, in the Gospels, Jesus is asked 187 questions. He answers maybe eight of them. He himself asks 307. Maybe faith isn't about certainty, but about learning to ask and sitting in the complexity of good questions. You ever notice this about Jesus? Like, Jesus is not so concerned with answering all the questions we have because sometimes we're not asking the right questions. What Jesus is concerned with is the same thing God is concerned with in the book of Job, is this relationship with Job. I just want to, like, I don't know what it is you're, you're going through. I don't know what it is you're facing. I know Job is somebody that, for most people that read it honestly, you just feel like you can relate with his struggle. And I just want to, to say to you, whatever struggle, whatever difficulty, whatever challenge, if it's a ministry challenge, if it's like a personal challenge, if you've, you've lost trust in people or something bad has happened to you, whatever it is, that God's desire for you is that you would come to a place of trusting him, but just recognizing like he's got it. He doesn't answer everything in the time that we want him to answer it, but he wants us to know like I've, I've got it. And even in the ministry of Jesus, Jesus rarely answers the questions he's asked, but he asks lots of questions that make people realize I'm, I don't know anything compared to God. In Job chapter 40, after God speaks for those two chapters, okay, so chapter 38 and 39, it's this big speech from God, and God asks Job this question, okay, so everybody's fallen silent because God has spoken, nobody has a response, and God says to Job, he says, do you still want to argue with the Almighty? Listen to what he says to Job, he says, you are God's critic, but do you have all the answers? And God is revealing to Job, he's saying, Job, like you, you, yes, you were innocent in all the ways you've, you've, you've claimed to be innocent, but you've become my critic. Like you've gotten to this point in your life where you think you could actually run the show better. And the purpose behind all of God's questions to Job was to reveal to Job, like Job, you, in your frail, weak humanity, there's no way you could understand the complexity of the universe, the complexity of running a human life. And so God reveals to Job, he says, he says do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You've become... You're God's critic, but do you have all the answers? And listen to Job's response. He says, uh, then Job replied to the Lord, I'm nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. 
I have nothing more to say. So Job's response, so when God reveals himself, so in the middle of Job's struggle and his mess and he feels overwhelmed, God shows up, he asks all these questions, and Job just takes a step back and he realizes, like, I've, I have said too much. Like, God really is sovereign. He really is in control. He puts his hand over his mouth and he's like, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't have even said the things that I did say. And, and I want to ask you this question. Last week I mentioned a, there's a famous or popular Netflix documentary called Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey. And it's, about, it's a story about this horrible um, cult and how people have been misled by somebody claiming to be preaching on behalf of God. And whenever I see things like that, like I've seen things that happen in this world that just grieve my heart. I don't know about you, but there's times where, like Job, I've become God's critic. Like just situations, people's situations where they've, they've lost everything and there are no human answers to explain why. And sometimes Christian religious people try to give answers and they just end up being cliche answers that make things worse. And honestly, as a, as a pastor, there's been times I've like sat with people and I just cannot understand like why they're going through the suffering they're going through. And like Job, in my heart, there's been times I've become God's critic. I'm like, he shouldn't have done that. That shouldn't have happened. And it's a real feeling. And what's interesting here is, is the grace of God. God, when he shows up, Job is convicted. and He realizes, God, you're all powerful. I shouldn't have said this. But God doesn't just wipe Job out for those feelings that he had. He shows up in this incredible way of revealing his grace and his mercy and his love to Job. And then Job takes this step back and he realizes, God, you, you are in control. God goes on. After Job says, I've said too much, God goes on in chapter 40, and this will be on the screen or you can, you can follow along in your, in your Bible, chapter 40, verses 6 to 14. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. And listen to, listen to how he says this. He says, brace yourself, Job, like a man, because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. You just... Just to set this tone, Job is speaking to God, the creator, the one who invented literally everything we see and the things we don't see, the universe. He says, Brace, I have questions for you. You must answer them. He says, will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove that you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, then put on your glory and splendor, your honor and majesty. This part's really interesting. He says, and this is God speaking to Job. He says, give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you for your own strength would save you. These words from God are so profound. You know what he's saying to Job? He's saying, okay, Job, you want to be my critic? You want to run the universe? Then bring judgment on all that wickedness says, if you can do that, even I would praise you. Like, this is the, the creator of the universe, okay? Like, God Almighty is talking to Job. He says, if you can do that, even I will praise you. You know what God is telling Job in this section? He's saying, Job, like, there is a judgment coming. People that live in wickedness don't get away with wickedness. God is promising Job, I'm going to silence evil one day. Things will be fully dealt with. You don't understand it now. Sometimes you live in the middle of suffering and we don't understand why things happen and it's just beyond our ability to comprehend. But God is saying, Job, like you've become my critic and you've got to stop. There is a day coming where this will be dealt with. 
but he shows up to Job in this incredible mercy. God could have just wiped Job out in that moment, and it would have been fine. But he doesn't. He gives Job a resp- an opportunity to respond to God. And I believe that's the, the opportunity that, that you and I have now. Now listen to Job's response. This is my favorite part in the book of Job. In chapter 42, he's, Job is just he's speechless. He's just barely able to utter words. And this is all he's able to, to spill out after hearing from God. It says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? Job, he confesses, he says, it's, it's I, it's me. I was talking about, the thi- about things I knew nothing about, things too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. And listen to this, is the, this part, it's just profound. He says to God, he says, I had only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. Take, I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. So Job just realizes, like, God is in control. And he says, I've only heard about you before, but now I've encountered you. Now I realize who you are, and I take back, I take it all back. What's interesting, God still hasn't answered all of Job's questions. But after this encounter with God, Job realizes, I don't need all of these questions answered because I've, like, I've come to realize who God is, and I can trust him. It's the most profound section in the book of Job. And Job, it, it, the posture he takes is, is, is a posture like this. He's like, God, I, I'm sorry, I surrender. Like, I, I did. I had become your critic. I had thought that I could run things better than you. But I know now that I can't. He takes this posture of like, God, I'm submitting and I'm surrendering everything to you. And, and that's the, 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 uh, the invitation that God gives all of us is that, we can, like Job, come to this place in our life where we completely and totally surrender to him. And I want to ask a question in two different ways this morning. And this will be on the, on the screen. Is there, is there known sin in your life? Like, when you read through that list of, of sins that Job didn't commit, is there anything that you're like, I'm, yeah, I, I do put my trust in money, or I'm, uh, I am lustful, or I steal, or whatever it is. Is there known sin in your life. And the second one is this, have you become the critic of God? Do you think you could run things better than he does? And that question, I think you got to think about it a little bit more because it sort of stays hidden. And I just, like, my confession to you is that that is something that I wrestle with when I encounter suffering that I don't have answers for, when I encounter people's situations that just seem too big and hard to understand. And in my heart, there's this temptation to become the critic of God and like, this should not be happening. God should not be doing things this way. And, and those feelings, those emotions, it's okay to bring those to God, but it's the temptation for us is to like, to, to, to think that we could run things better. And you know, there's a popular message in the world today that basically says, well, for one, you do you, right? You know, if, if it makes you happy, go for it. Uh, and, and the second message that the world says, and this one's really tricky, but the world, and if you pay attention to what's coming out in media right now, in move, popular movies and popular TV shows, people acknowledge the fact that evil does exist. Okay, so some of the most popular shows that are on TV right now, some of the ones that all the teens are watching, like, there's this really popular message that, yes, evil exists, but here's the twist. The message that the world has is you can overcome it. 
by just pulling up your bootstraps and being good, banding together with your friends and being a good person, you can overcome it. You know what the scriptures teach us? You know what Job says? No, you can't. Job realized, like, there are forces, like, the, the accuser is the one that brought all this destruction in Job's life. Job was powerless to fight against the forces of evil. And then when Job stood before God, he also realized he was powerless to defend himself before the creator, God. And so there were these two forces, and, and, and there was nothing Job could do to overcome. And, and there's a message that the world has today that's a bold-faced lie that, like, you and I can overcome evil by just being nice and being good and doing the right things. And the Bible would say, absolutely not. Jesus can. Jesus has. And here's how I want to close this off and close off the, the book of Job. Jeremy touched on this a couple weeks ago. Uh, the mediator. You know, there's two times in the book of Job. Chapter 9, chapter 16. Where in the middle of Job's struggle, in the middle of just, his, he just felt overwhelmed. He, he felt like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm powerless to overcome this evil that's coming my way. And then when he stands before God, again, it's that posture of realizing that God is all-powerful. There's nothing I can do to, to prove my innocence and make my way to God. And there's two times in the book of Job where he cries out and he says, if only there was a mediator. If only there was this mediator that could connect me to God. Right? Chapter 9 and chapter 16. And those are like, it's like a prophetic utterance of Jesus. And what we learn from the book of Job is that like God's answer to, to suffering, God's answer to the questions of Job is Jesus Christ on the cross. So Job happened like 1,500 years or more before Jesus, right? And he's this example of a human that suffered, you know, and, and it was beyond his understanding of why it happened. And God's answer to it is Jesus Christ on the cross. And his answer is the same today as it was 2,000 years ago, that the way that we overcome evil, the way that we can know that we're going to be okay when we stand before God is because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so as a reminder, and if, we're, if you're a follower of, of Jesus today, I just want to remind you that you're, you're made right with God because of what Christ has done. Not even because of your right beliefs. Like, we live in a time right now where there's, like, all these hot topics online, and we could get into that. And sometimes we think that being a Christian means having the right view on all these different things. At the base level, what it comes down to is we're made right with God because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. He came and he lived a perfect life. He suffered like Job. He died. And, and then he, God rose him from the dead. He ascended to be with the Father in heaven and said, anybody who believes in me, anybody who turns from their sin and puts their faith in Jesus can be made right with God. That's, that's what makes us right with God. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus or if you're kind of wrestling through um, even what you believe about God, you know, I, I came to this like realization. I grew up in a home of, of a man that was, he told everybody that could walk about Jesus. That was like the kind of guy my dad was. Like anywhere we went, we we're going to be telling people about Jesus. And I realized like, I'm not a Christian because of the home I grew up in. And, and I'm, not, I'm not a Christian. You know, when I stand before God, and this is specifically, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I just want you to know, like, when I stand before God, I'm not going to be made right because I was a pastor. I actually, like, the Bible's pretty clear. God could care less that I'm a pastor. I mean, I, I know he cares that I am. He's called me to do that, and he wants me to serve him faithfully. But when I stand before him, and, 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 and I'm, like, standing before the judge, the creator of the universe— like, and, and I'm wanting to get into heaven and be with him. He, like, my title as a pastor doesn't matter. It's because of what Jesus Christ has done. And if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I, I encourage you um, to call out to Jesus, to look at what he's done for us on the cross, his life, his death, his resurrection.
our, our surrender to him, our submission to him, is what gives us uh, a relationship with God, with the creator of the universe. And that's what we learned from Job. And so wrapping up Job, there's not, uh, I'm, I'm not answering all of the questions that Job asks. And, I'm, and, and what I want to say is some of those questions, some of those struggles are things that, that we wrestle with. But what we come to as followers of Jesus is this realization of who God is as the creator of the universe. In Romans, the book that the Apostle Paul wrote, he talks about how God works all things together for good for those that love God. And, and what he means by all things is literally all things. All the suffering, all the difficulty, all the challenge. When you trust God, God works all of that out for good somehow, some way. And, and I just, as a, as a thought, I, if you've gone through some kind of crazy trauma and some kind of crazy difficulty and it's unfair, it's okay to wrestle with that and for that to be unfair. Like this message isn't to say that these things should continue or giving permission for those things. But it is to say that the reality of the current world we live in is that it's a world that's broken and there are all kinds of suffering um, situations that happen. But that God has made a way for us to have a relationship with him. And that in the midst of all the suffering, in the midst of all the brokenness, we can actually know him. And God will restore all things. And there's this hope that we are going to one day stand before God. And I just want to, we don't, do this every Sunday. We, we teach from the scriptures every week. Um, but if you're here today and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, uh, I just want to invite you to do that. And it is as simple as confessing to Jesus, Lord, I've, I've sinned or I've, I've, I've done some of the things that Job, we talked about from Job, or I've become your critic. Lord, I, I ask your forgiveness and I invite you in. And if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus and, and God's challenging you with something, maybe it's a, a Sunday just to recommit your trust in him. I'm going to invite the, the worship team to come up, and, uh, and Jeremy's going to lead us in communion in a minute. I'm just going to pray before, before we do. Um, and again, I encourage you, this is our last Sunday in Job, and if you've missed some of these um, uh, sermons, like just go and read through the book and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, there's a really powerful message that's encouraging for, for, I believe, for all of us in that book. And so let's just pray, and uh, we're going to jump into worship and, and communion. Lord, I just, I just want to thank you for the scriptures, God. Um, man, it's encouraging to, to actually read your words and know that what you say is true. Because we hear all kinds of things in our life that we know is untrue. There's all kinds of messages that come at us from, from media, sometimes from people that claim to be talking about you. Sometimes in church we hear messages that are untrue or that are uh, discouraging or not helpful. Um, and so, Lord, it's so encouraging to look into your word and to see how you interact with, interacted with your servant Job, who you love deeply. He couldn't understand your love for him. In the middle of his suffering, he, he actually thought you were out to get him. He actually thought you laughed at his suffering. That's how he felt. And you met him where he was at, and you revealed your love to him. And so, Lord, I just pray that if, for any of us that are in the room today, that maybe we're in a similar place as, as Job, where we've got this suffering and these challenges going on in our life, and we feel like you don't care Lord, I just pray that we'd actually be able to be real about that and vulnerable. Church is a safe place to do that. And, and God, I just pray that you would meet us where we're at. Like, like Job, he, he said that before he'd only heard about you, but then after he encountered you and, and after he'd seen you, he, he was never the same again. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we would have that same experience. Maybe for some today that, that don't know you, haven't committed their lives to you, that they, that they would do that today. They would surrender to you, Jesus. And for, for some that are here, that maybe this was just a message that, that they needed as an encouragement in their walk with you. 
Or maybe, maybe there's people in the room that, like me, have been tempted to be your critic at times with situations that are just so hard to understand. God, would you forgive us? Would you, like you did for Job, would you just show us your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness? Help us to trust you. Lord, we realize we can't even do that on our own, God. We need your spirit. And so, Lord, I just invite your, your Holy Spirit. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you for how we sense you when we worship and we look into your word. And we just want to continue to welcome you, God. We love you. We honor you. We adore you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll just, there we go. What a, what a wonderful opportunity we have to celebrate communion today. After a message like that, we've been given a lot to think about. And I'm just going to read the verses from Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out. To the Mount of Olives. We have the privilege and the opportunity today of participating in the sacrament of communion, but I want you to imagine the setting today a little bit. Imagine that you're at the Last Supper with Jesus. Imagine that you're one of the twelve gathered around. By this point in the story, Judas it has been found out that Judas is going to betray Jesus. But imagine yourself as one of the 12 there. Imagine that Jesus is reaching out his hand to you today with the bread. And he's saying, he's saying take and eat. Like we heard from Pastor Nathan today in the book of Job. As you picture Jesus passing out that bread to you as you imagine Job before an almighty God when God speaks or when we're in the presence of Jesus all becomes well all becomes well and so my encouragement today as we get ready to take this is to bring your thing bring those things inside your heart your emotions today, the things swirling around in your mind, to the God in, who, in whose presence, when we come, all things become well. 
There's power in the man, Jesus. Now, before we do this, there's an encouragement too from Scripture given to us to examine ourselves. And so I'm going to leave a couple seconds just to do that. Examine yourself before the Lord. For those of us that have surrendered our life to Him, the invitation is open. For those of us that have not come to know Jesus personally, this is a great chance to ponder that. Think about that. Talk to Jesus. So I'm just going to leave a couple minutes now as we just can examine ourselves. This time I'm going to ask Randy and Elaine to, to come up here. And, and this is how this is going to work. Um, once we're ready, you'll just come up to, the, to Randy and Elaine here and take uh, a piece of bread and the juice and return to your seat and just hold that with you. And then together, I'll lead us in that we'll uh, eat these things or share in these things together. So today, if you've placed your trust in Jesus... I do invite you to come forward. If today there's struggles inside, come forward. If today there's a lack inside, come forward and partake of this. And let this be a moment where we encounter Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus, all is well. All is well. So I'm just going to pray and then uh, feel free to come on forward. Father, I thank you for this moment when we can come to you, and in you, Jesus, all things become well. The struggles become answered. The questions, though maybe not answered, find a peace in your presence. Lord, meet us today as we come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Feel free to come on up.